everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. I tried to say it more dramatically. I don't know why. Because this is a dramatic thing? Yeah. We are talking episode two of the three-part, once-in-a-lifetime event of the century, The Widower. At least the event of early 2021. Yeah. I think it'll last Uh, until 2022. I have a... Morning announcement. Bing, 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 bing. I don't know what the sound is for morning announcement. We don't have one. It's ding, ding, ding. That's it. What was that that you were doing? What was I doing just now? Uh, you were doing Super Mario. Yeah. So it's not really a morning announcement. It's more of a morning apology. I would like to publicly apologize for if I was harsh on you about pigtails. I did see that someone had made a comment that I had an attitude and I feel really bad. So I'm really sorry. I don't have attitude. I have attitude all the time. I'm nothing but attitude. My middle name, attitude. But I got called out and I feel bad. And I'm just trying to explain that if it sounded like it, it is because I had just previously said it's called pigtails. Yeah, I'm still probably going to keep calling them ponytails. And you can. That's your prerogative because I think people might call them that. So anyways, I'm sorry. but I just don't like the word pigtails. I don't like it. Also, pigs only have one tail. So I don't know why it would be plural. I thought about that. I think maybe because curly Q. Because pigtails, when I think of pigtails, I think of Cindy from the Brady Bunch. Mm -hmm. She wears the two low curly Mm -hmm. tails. Mm -hmm. So call them whatever you darn well please. Thankfully... Thomas Randolph, the widower's pigtails slash ponytails don't come into question till next episode, till the third, part the third. True. Yeah. This episode, episode two, though, was my favorite of the two that we have had so far. So Hair-wise? Hair-wise? Hair-wise, wives-wise, plot-wise, everything-wise. Oh, okay. It was a cross-country journey across the states of deception and murder. Well, I can't make a ruling yet. I decided to not watch part three so it wouldn't taint my version of Me part too. Two. I don't like to taint anything. Then how did you know that part two is your favorite? I said of the two we've had so far. Oh, I thought you said of the three. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I think, yeah, part two is like chock full of information. Part one was the appetizer. Yeah. And part two is the entree. We don't know yet. Part one might become cheese course, and then part two might be the a really good appetizer where you kind of fill up, and then part three might be the entree. So there's no dessert. There's just no dessert. Dessert is the podcast Mommy Doomsday. There we go. I have a feeling, though, something is going to happen in part three that is going to make us unhappy. I know for a fact there is. I know. So that's why I feel like it is an... Maybe a meal that you send back. I think it's a meal where you're like hungry an hour later and you need the left. You need to eat more. So you go and eat the leftovers because there's still more to the story to come. Or like you were really excited and then it ended up being not what you expected. I hate that. Yeah. Where like the you got something that's bread heavy as an entree and the bread is tough. Oh, yeah. I don't like that. Tough to swallow. Is that good? Because whatever happens, it's not going to sit well. So I don't know what you're... Oh, are you doing a title? Is that an alternative title? No, because something's going to happen 
in episode three that leaves us unsatisfied. It will be tough to swallow and it will be leave a bitter taste in our mouths. I have a feeling. There we go. See, there's lots. There's lots of analogies. Everything good with food analogies. Yeah. This is season 29, episode 32, aired Friday, February 19th, 2021. I have a serious question for you, Katie. I want you to just really think. Answer me honestly. No, it's been a long week. I will only take lowball questions that are easy, like, what's your favorite color? Actually, that's too hard. Here's my question. Why did love put a gun in my hand? (laughs) What's the second line of the song? Because I can't quite get it. It just repeats it. Yeah, I'm sure there are. I don't know. They just keep playing that part over and over So the answer is, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Boom, boom, boom. Because we hear that again, too. We do. Boom, boom, boom. And then we see him... Looking at the camera, Thomas Randolph, the widower, saying, mm-hmm. am I beautiful? I really, I'm, I'm ready to I'd be like done I'd like to with answer. That. No, you're not. Only to his mother. And six wives, apparently. We still don't know him. We're still confused. We don't know if they were into his looks. I think he's, you know, he's doing that rigmarole, that witchy woman thing. Yeah, <laughs> he's a witchy woman. Putting a hex on, on you. Yeah. Oh, this episode's called Six Wives, Four Funerals. See what they were doing there? That's a great title. Yeah, it is. I don't even think we could have come up with that. Mm-mm, no. It's really good. You could have on one of your good days, but not in your yippy times. Yeah. So you've been having good days. <laughs> it's hit or miss. We don't know. <laughs> the detective, our main detective, Dino Kelly, he starts with him coming and sits down at a bar overlooking the Las Vegas Strip. So... We're still in Nevada. Nevada is state number one. I will be counting down the states as we go to them. We are traveling in this episode. There's a lot of traveling. Road trip dateline. Mm -hmm. We're talking about wife number six still. Sharon, they break the fourth wall and we see someone doing the clapper. Very rarely happens to they break the fourth wall on dateline. I'm always a fan. He and his partner, Rob Wilson, still looking into the death of Sharon. Sharon's daughter, Colleen, Thought he was odd, didn't realize Sharon was going to be his sixth wife. He was upset after Sharon was murdered because he thought he had the right will, but Colleen had the secret correct will. Colleen was scared of him because of the will and because they keep showing a photo of him with these like feathered man bangs and several long tendrils of hair down to his man boob area, curly, almost permed like Jesse from Saved by the Bell, but yellow blonde. Yeah. It changes so many times in this. It was like whiplash. I couldn't keep track. This was like not just a road trip across America. It was a hair journey. It was a follicle journey. (laughs) Follicular journey. Follicular journey. There we go. Across America. Oh, follicular manslaughter. There we go. (laughs) There we go. There's your title, folks. There we go. Love it. We're good. So Colleen wants to change the locks at her mom's house. Detective O'Kelly goes with her smart Mm -hmm. because Colleen was scared he might show up and there's tape all over the walls showing where the blood spatter is and little arrow tapes and Colleen is holding her baby it's just very dramatic as it was awful and she's pregnant and she's pregnant yeah and guess who shows up at the door Tom but Dateline is recording all this so he's on camera the producer Dan Slepian of Dateline fame is holding the camera And you hear Tom being like, why can't I be here? This is my house. And Detective O'Kelly is such a, he's awesome. He's just like, nope, not going to happen. 
And Tom says, well, you're just an a-hole, aren't you? How do you know who's holding the camera? Did I miss that? It's probably I got it on social media. Oh, okay. I was like, did they do a little blurb on the... I thought maybe they did a blurb on the screen. I'm sorry. So that answers a lot of questions for me all rolled into one. It's Dateline doing this. Absolutely. What happened was Detective O'Kelly got this case and right away he called Dan at Dateline and was like, we just had the craziest murder. Something's really weird about it. And this is Sharon's murder. And so Dan started following them pretty much right away. So Dan's been working on this story. Like day of. Next day, pretty much. Yeah. And so he's been following the story for 13 years. 13 years. Yeah. In my head, this murder did not happen 13 years ago. Sharon's murder happened 13 years ago? Yes. Really? Yeah. Wow. I don't know why I didn't put that together. So whatever is going to be happening in episode three takes a long time if we're only getting it now. You mean like justice? Yeah. Or no justice. I don't know if there's justice yet. I'm hoping. I mean, there is a person coming named Justice. But (gasps) Oh my God, that was such a good call. (laughs) But I don't know if actual justice. Good callback. Call forward. Just 13 years. Okay. So. Wow. Colleen is just so glad, I think, that O'Kelly came with her because Tom is screaming. She's so scared of him. She wants never to be in his presence alone without police protection. So now we're nine weeks after Sharon's murder. The two detectives are going to the DA to see if they have enough to press charges. And we get to see that meeting, which is pretty cool because usually we don't get to see that part where they're deciding if they can press charges. And the prosecutors aren't sure. They wonder why the detectives don't think that Tom shot Sharon himself, which is a great question because that's what Katie thought too. So, Mm -hmm. and it does kind of make sense, but they don't think he did. But it's a good question. It's good. I'm going to say this really early. I know it's not fashion police yet, but I'm still knowing that this is 13 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) You can't tell. You can't tell by like even what the DA is wearing. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not like all of a sudden they're wearing a different cut of suit or something. Mm -hmm. So this is a comment on fashion that it has not changed in 13 years. And I, that's shocking. All right. Yeah. Keep going. So then they tell the prosecutors that he had six wives, four dead. And the one prosecutor says, I don't believe in coincidences, which is you. It's me. I always say that. So between everything in this meeting leads me to believe that we are basically professionals now because we are nailing this case. Because you had the same question the prosecutor did and then the other prosecutor said the same thing that I say. And also I noticed those two things as well. So I think that means that we're professionals. We're ready. Yeah, we're ready to take on, bring us your crimes. I'll send you a certificate in the mail. Thank you. It'll be great. Okay, I'm really excited. I'm going to get laminated. Uh, oh, no, it'll come laminated. Oh, okay. It'll come framed. Framed. Okay. I need a, something that can be laminated, though, like a little badge, an ID card, something. A bookmark? Sure. Okay. Sure. We did it, laminated. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> the prosecutors want to think about it. They're not sure if it's enough. Meanwhile, Colleen starts to go through the house, through Tom's things. Okay. Here okay. Boxes and boxes of things. Because this is her mom's house, so that's why she's able to go through it. 
Also, it's still a crime scene. No, it's hers. It's hers. She just left it in the will because it's her mother's house, right? She finds naked pictures, and I was screaming at the TV, please don't say who, please don't say who they're of. Dear God, don't say who they're of. I don't want them to be of Tom. Oh, no, I think in the she wouldn't bring it up if they were... No, they're absolutely of Tom because I don't think she would bring it up if they were of her mother. She would not say it on camera. I don't think he has naked pictures of Sharon. I think he might have naked pictures of other ladies in his life from the past. Oh, good point. I didn't think about that. But I can also see him having naked pictures of himself, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised he doesn't have wallet size in his wallet. He might. We haven't seen his wallet. Laminate. (laughs) Oh, my God. What is sort of one of those flip downs? And he opens up his wallet like it's a badge. And then it's like all of his different hairstyles throughout the decades. Someone can make like a flip book. You know, what, what are the, is that what it's called? Where you go, you, it's like an accordion book and you flip through That's it. That's going to be, I'm telling you right now, that has a name. Is it called a flip book? No, I, I think it has a name like a blah, 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 blah. Oh, like a fancy something. Someone's going someone or many multiples of people are about to tell you what That's fine. Bring it on. And also, can you make us one of all of his hairstyles throughout the years and how they've changed? Oh, that's such a hassle. Don't, uh, that's rough. No, because you need to kind of be, stand. you need to be the same. So you need to be against the same background. And then you, Mm -hmm. I've seen people like chronicle their skin journey or whatever. Really? Yeah. I see a lot of pictures like that in my mom's phone. I don't know what she's trying to do. I've seen a lot of people chronicle their weight loss journeys that way, I guess. Yeah, or your face. How are you aging? Oh, that's a bad journey. No one wants to go on that journey. It's not if you're taking it to a special doctor who can pinpoint that problem and be like, we're going to do three cc's here. Sorry, I don't know the units. I don't know. (laughs) So Colleen also finds the business cards for a lot of different attorneys, application for marriage, divorce papers. Yeah. A newspaper article about a suspicious fire. Okay. So that could be its own other dateline. I would like to know more about that. There are Mm -hmm. so many things in this episode where it's like, that could have been a dateline. Could have been a whole dateline. Driver's licenses of his ex-wives. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. Scuba gear. Don't go with him. Mm -hmm. That's a perfect way to kill a wife. There has been a dateline like that. Also, now I'm picturing him in a wetsuit. And his long hair flowing behind him like a merman. A bulletproof vest. He was a special ed teacher. He wasn't. He He wasn't. And all these other things. Works at a law office. Why does he have a bulletproof vest? Why? Lots of prescription drugs. No, no, stop. Don't say lots of prescription drugs. Because there was a trunk full. (laughs) That's lots. Of boxes upon boxes of prescription stacks drugs. Stacks on stacks on stacks. Oh, drugs. Hundreds. How many? Dozens of bottles. Things that are looking like he shouldn't have them. Yeah. I would not be surprised if it was like fentanyl type prescription oh, drugs. I can totally see that. Yeah. There, there was way too many prescription drugs in there. So it, it would not be the nor- for a normal person to have that many. It would be if you were selling them. Yes, 100%. So, or importing them from Mexico. Something shady. To sell them. Yes, 100%. Two duffel bags of ammunition. Yeah, no thank you. A hard pass on all of... This is like stuff that you would find in a serial killer's sex dungeon. Like the weirdest assortment of things that just are creepy when you know that they are Tom 
Randolph's. Anyone's. 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 Why do you have scuba gear and a bulletproof vest? If this was my mom's boyfriend and I was nosing around the house and saw this stuff, I would make her pack an overnight bag and come with me that minute. Yes. You're like, we are in an episode of Dirty John. We have to leave. Yeah, you're not safe here. It's time to go. Mm -hmm. So the prosecutors tell the detectives there's not enough to convict. And I was like, did they not hear about the scuba gear and the bulletproof vest? Because to me, that's enough. All he needed to have a like creepy mannequin head and I'd be like, done. Convict him. Kimberly, 65 boxes of possible fentanyl. Pills. Just so, like a trunk full of pills. Come on. Come on, guys. But they don't think there's enough, at least not for Sharon's murder. So they think the detect the defense would tear apart all their evidence. And they don't even think that the friend who Miller said in the first episode said, oh, Tom wanted him to kill his wife. They don't even think that they would be allowed to let that into the trial. Yeah, well, we kind of do that. Yeah, it's another one of those hearsay things. So the, the, our detectives are not giving up, though. They decide to rewind and go back and look at all the previous wives. So here begins our journey across the states. They start at the very beginning, which is a very good place to start. Catherine, first wife, 1975. She's still alive, shockingly enough, living in Washington, our second state in our murder road trip around America. She pulls out some photo albums and loose leaf photos to show the detectives. And one of the detectives says, well, he really liked that long hair, didn't he? Yes, he did. He still did. He still did back then. Although he was brown. They get the, I get the feeling they're annoyed, as annoyed with the hair as we are. I get that feeling too. I get that feeling that they want to convict him purely on the hair, but they know legally they cannot. And they're just waiting for podcasters like us to convict him based solely on his hair. Here's the thing. I'm not opposed to long hair. Well, no, not. Yes. Neither of us are saying that. I'm glad you said that. I think that you might be a little more opposed because you are very against a ponytail, a gentleman with a ponytail. It is the way if it's greasy like Andrew on 90 Day, I like a man bun. It's it's more a uh, style for me style than choice. length. Okay. Yeah. And okay. texture and stuff. I'm not opposed to long hair. Long hair, don't care. Our very good friend had long hair mm-hmm. for much of the time when, well, it's our ex-roommate when we lived with it. Long hair. I think, though, in this case, it's adding insult to injury for some reason. It really is not helping him. Well, it's the fact that it looks slightly permed sometimes. No, not slightly permed. We'll get there. It's not, there's nothing slight. And it's the fact that it's always with different levels of feathered bangs. I think it's because he's obviously very, it's a source of pride. Yes. And we can sense that. And I hate that. And he, Yeah. And he's a terrible person. Yeah. He shouldn't Just, have hair. He should have been. No, he doesn't deserve it. Many good people have not been gifted hair. And it's a curse that he has it. He's taking a lot of time with it, clearly. And there should have been other things he was spending his time on, like being a good husband yeah, and a not good a, person. Yeah, not a murderer. Yeah. So Kat, who, Catherine, we're on the first wife, she was about 18. He was 20. They were very young. She seems very smart, very put together. He was charming and witty, she said, and had great parents that were very nice to her. 
that could have been a whole nother dateline. I would love to hear about his parents. Really surprised about that. That shocked me. Mm-hmm, that he came from a great home. And then we see photos. This is where he still has the man bangs, but it's long brown hair. So we're going to kind of see kind of the transition to the American cheese yellow that it currently is. Slash white sometimes, depending on the camera and the flash, the lighting situation. They have two kids. Justice. Nope. Which detectives find ironic. And the other is Krista. Also really want to know if this justice was the justice on Dance Moms. There was a justice on Dance Moms? There there was. It was the Candy Apples Dance Studio for a couple of the seasons. They were always really nervous if they had to go up against Candy Apples because Justice was there. He was a whiz-bang of a dancer. Oh, Justice was a boy. Yes, and this justice is also a boy. That's why I really need to know. Was Justice a good kid or was he a mean kid? We don't know anything about Justice other than he was a very good dancer. He could do the splits, all sorts of stuff. He was good. He beat the Abby Lee Dance Company. He was good. (laughs) But what if it's the same one? The timeline's not right. Why not? Because they had their kids in the early, in the late 70s. Oh, 1970. You're right. He could have been a parent of a dance mom kid. I was going to say, could this be Justice Jr.? Justice's son. Also, I hope Justice is doing well. It's a heavy weight to bear to name your child something like Justice. Mm -hmm. And your parent is Tom Randolph. Yeah, that is a whole other thing. But if your name is Justice and you wind up on the wrong side of the law. What if you become a lawyer and you get to say, I object, Your Honor. And then someone would be like, what do you think? Your middle name is Justice? And be like, no, it's my first name. Because, you know, people are like, my middle name is like... Yeah, like my middle name is Danger. Yeah. And if, by the way, I'm if I ever did have a child, I would absolutely name, put their middle name as something like Danger, Danger, Danger or Thunder yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. or something amazing. Uh-huh. Just in case they ever needed it, they had it. They could have two middle names. I love it. And they could I choose to use it, it or not. But <laughs> We too, and in whatever situation, if they're in a a dangerous situation they go my middle name's danger but if then they're in another situation and it calls for justice they'd be like my middle name is justice and both are true because they have two middle names they just have to pick which one but what if justice wound up in prison sadly he i mean he would never no because he would never live it you have these convicts that are in prison that would say things like it looks like justice is getting a beat down tonight and then they beat him up right They'd, I mean, you'd never live it down. No, you would, you know. I hope Justice did well. I hope so, too. I'm not going to look it up because it'll make me sad. And the little girl. What's her name? Krista. Krista. So Tom never held down a job. She knew things were going badly when he threw a bowl of oatmeal across the room and said, my mother always put sugar on my oatmeal. That makes me think he didn't have a great relationship with his parents or things were not all perfect. No, are you serious? That makes me think his mom is like Brandon's mom on ID Day Fiance. Yeah, which means that he had too good of a relationship with his parents. Not that he didn't have a good one. It means he was coddled. Too good is just as bad sometimes. Absolutely. It's just as bad. It just makes a different kind of a monster. Yep. Mm -hmm. It can. Yes, it can. Yeah. So, yeah, like not my brother. How did my brother escape being normal? 
what I just said, it can. Yeah, normal so far, as far as we know. Yeah, someone should do a check on him. Yeah. So Tom started cheating on Catherine, doing drugs, dealing drugs, which becomes a huge selling point for his resume later on. He grows a horrible, scruffy brown mustache like an 80s porn star. The detectives ask Catherine, did he have an insurance policy on you? And she says, yes, he did. And it's like, boom, you're in danger, girl. I can't believe you're still alive. Who gets an insurance policy on someone when they're like 21 or 22? And doesn't have a job, but has life insurance. And is selling drugs. Yeah. What drug dealers have life insurance? And they should. They have a very dangerous job. It's creepy. I wonder what gave him the idea. Yeah, because this is when it all started. This is when it all started with Catherine. So they divorced because he got very scary and psychologically abusive, she said. Narcissistic, controlling. So then she started dating his friend Steve, who is now her husband who is standing in the kitchen during the whole interview with the detectives. So now Steve chimes in and says that when he started dating Catherine, Tom treated it like he was stealing meat from another man's refrigerator. No, he said that. He said it. Did he say that? Well, yeah, because then the uh, O'Kelly repeats it and then or the partner, Detective Wilson, repeats it and says, And they, like, do a little exchange about it. No, I think he actually said that. It's like you were stealing meat from another man's refrigerator. I got to say, just because we don't have a Dennis or a Mank, we're still getting hit with the quotes. Very happy about that. But that's how, yeah, but I still miss them terribly. Oh, no, absolutely. I wouldn't trade it for anything. But I still feel like it's very indicative of how Tom values women or relationships in general. It's just an object. It's a literal piece of meat. Absolutely. It's controlling. It is his property. Also, instead of stealing meat from another man's refrigerator, because your hunger demon has taken over and you just have to have something, carry a monk pack bar with you. Absolutely. It's easy. You can possess a monk pack bar without offending anybody's sensibilities or their rights to autonomy as a person. Monk Pack's keto granola bars contain just one gram of sugar, two net carbs, and they're only 140 calories. They're great for people eating keto or just trying to eat better while still eating delicious snacks. The keto granola bars are my favorite. They have soft and chewy textures and the flavors. My favorite is the coconut cocoa chip. Coconut cocoa chip. It's hard to say, but delicious to eat. They have honey nut, blueberry, almond vanilla. Delicious. My second favorite. The Which one? The honey nut or the... No, the blueberry, almond, vanilla. Today, I was going grocery store shopping, and I, again, always find myself in this predicament where I'm out running errands. I need to stop for groceries, but I'm hungry, and I'm going to buy everything in the store, but instead, I eat a monk pack bar, and then I'm, like, totally satisfied and only buy the things on my list, saving me money in the long run, too. They are keto-friendly, gluten-free, plant-based, non-GMO, with no soy, trans fat, sugar, alcohols, or artificial colors, and they're delivered straight to your door, which is good because men like Tom Randolph are outside. 
Try it for yourself and you'll see. We have a special deal for our listeners. Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering our code DATEDATELINE at checkout. And Monk Pack is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. Get started, go to monkpack.com, that's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com, and select any product, then enter the code date dateline at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. Monkpack, delicious, nutritious food you can count on. Are you feeling lucky, Monk? <laughs> Are you are you? You're just going to keep doing that one till, till I like it? I am. I also want to tell people, I, lo- I love these freaking bars. I ate all of mine and I am hoping I am honest. I'm going to I'm going to be using the discount code. I love it. <laughs> I really like them. They're delicious. Thank you, Monk Pack. They are. Thank you, Monk Pack. So uh, before Steve started dating Catherine, he was friends with Tom. Tom mm-hmm. had asked Steve, would you kill somebody for money if you could get away with it? Just a, in a general sense, just a general question. There's just no natural way to ask that question. I know, but this is how he starts. He lays the groundwork with that super calm, just chill question. And then it slowly snowballs. Looking back, Steve feels like Catherine was the target. Nadoy. We are all glad Catherine is still alive. Meanwhile, Colleen is scared back in Las Vegas in the present tense. Tom is around filling up a U-Haul with a very sweaty tank top on. He's oh my! moving around. It was very sweaty. But who am I to judge? Vegas is very hot. Vegas is really hot. Yeah. So we're now 15 weeks after the murder. Detectives move on to wife number two, Becky. They go to Utah, which is state number three. There we go. We see Tom and Becky's wedding photo. Tom has a cast on his wrist. That could have been a whole nother dateline story. What happened mm-hmm. there? His hair is actually short. Long for a typical man haircut, but still, like, short for him. He looks like a beetle. I think longer, yeah, longer than what you would, if you were to say a man's haircut in quotes, it's a little bit longer than, it's shaggy. Shaggy. Still with the bangs. They married in 83. What happened to his wrist? Don't know. The original report on Becky's death said that it was a suicide. So they go to Utah. They talk to Becky's adorable aunt, Rosalie who is not putting up with Tom's BS. Rosalie thought that he was arrogant from the jump. Right when she met him, she thought he was arrogant. He was a smart A. She didn't like him at all. Mm -hmm. Becky had told Rosalie he had a room in the basement that he kept locked, which right away I thought was Master Bob's S&M dungeon Mm -hmm. or a murder basement. Or this, what happens? Or third, option number three, just as bad. Turns out he would bring other women down there to have sex with and he would make Becky watch. Rosalie says he's a sick son of a bee, but she says the full thing. Control. Which with a bee. Tom and Becky had money problems, so they asked Rosalie to borrow some. She loaned them a couple thousand dollars so that they could get out of debt, but instead he used the money to pay insurance premiums on Becky's life insurance. Meanwhile, their lights had been turned off, but he's paying the life insurance policies. He had three on Becky. Wow. Becky was found shot in the head. Her family and friends 
didn't think it could have been a suicide. Detectives go to talk to the deputy district attorney, Steve Major, on Becky's case. He was at the scene. He thought it was a suicide. The gun was in her hand. She was found on the wa- on her waterbed because it was the 80s. They mm-hmm. talked to Dick Martin, the lead detective at the time, who's now kind of like rough and haggard guy and advisor. He looks like he goes fishing every day and is retired. Oh, I was going to. Yeah, I was going to say, he's not retired. <laughs> he is full on now a boat captain. <laughs> a boat captain. Yeah. Love him. So he's sharp as a tack. He was not comfortable calling it suicide at the time. He thought the position of the gun was too odd and that she would have had to hold it in a way that he said she would have to be on her head and ambidextrous. So who made him rule it a suicide? The, that's just what they thought it was, but he didn't. And so he went back to the scene to investigate more. And he thought the scene would be secured. But due to a miscommunication or someone dropping the ball, the crime scene had not been secured. And so in the meantime, Tom had come in, cleaned up everything, painted the walls, pulled up the carpet. So now they have no evidence whatsoever and they have to rule it a suicide. So this feels to me like what we find out in a little bit, that Tom had all these connections. Mm. This feels like that. Great point. Or just really amazing luck. Mm. You don't want to think someone like him has luck. No, you don't. No. Also, Tom at this point has a thin John Waters mustache. It's a bear in the middle right here. I don't know much about men's hair growth patterns. Is that something they shave in or does it just not grow in the middle right there for some people? No, no, it's shaved. No, it's shaved in. It's a John Waters. Yeah, that's a style choice. So you shave it in on purpose and it normally grows in there. Yeah, I don't know why. It's a weird style unless you're literally John Waters. I don't like it. So I don't like a lot of things about it, Tom. It's called a suicide. But a couple years later, another detective takes over, Scott Conley. He knew Tom around town as a wannabe drug dealer. There we go. Apparently, Tom wanted to be the new Scarface, and he made people call him Tony Montana. Wow. Sadly, Montana is not one of the states we are going to. So did Tom graduate from high school? I'm sorry, we never get confirmation on that. But he seems like sort of like weirdly dumb. Like the kind of person that thinks he's intelligent, but really is like overcompensating because he didn't finish school. Does that make sense? I could see him walking out of school being like, I don't need school. Yes. That's why I'm asking. The world can't handle me as it is. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take everyone on and show everyone. Yeah. But yet he said he was a paralegal, but we don't know if that's true. And a special ed teacher. Which neither of these jobs we've come to yet. So we'll see. At this point, his hair is long and sometimes permed, sometimes straight and greasy. But he does have the exact same sneer. The detectives point out they they show like a mugshot of him from being his drug dealer days. And he's still like sneering that lip like he thinks he's so cool. He's not. Gosh, it's really dumb. Yeah. Like it's really just want to be cool so bad yeah, Mm -hmm. and thinks that like a drug dealer is the epitome of cool. That's just so dumb, you know? It drives me crazy. A woman comes to the detective, the new detective, and says, my husband Eric has been approached by Tom and asked to kill Becky. Okay, so Eric is the new Steve who becomes the new Mike Miller who is murdered or was killing Sharon and was mur- murder. You know that thing. 
from episode one. So apparently Tom groomed Eric. At this point, Tom should not be grooming anyone because... He can't take care of his own grooming. He looks like Weird Al at this point. Not that that's not a great look for Weird Al. If you're Weird Al, it's fine. I think that most men that got a perm in the 80s... My dad had one. I think would probably say that it was cool at the time. Right. (laughs) Or I regret that. I regret that terribly. I regret having a perm. Uh, Me too. It wasn't the 80s, but I regret it. Yeah, I deeply regret it. And my bangs were still straight, which is also that weird look. Yeah. (laughs) Super cool. So. Also, you're blonde. Oh, but you have kind of curly hair, right? Yeah, I do. But I was going to say a lot of times blonde hair doesn't take the curl all the way. So you have a few straight strands that just will not perm. Oh, I never had that problem. I wish I had that problem. Oh, it was a disaster. No. So detectives fly to New Hampshire, which is state number four, still on wife number two, to meet Eric Tarantino. Oh, boy, Eric's hair. Yeah. That was a whole journey. That could have been a whole dateline just on Eric's hair journey. Eric legitimately looks like a drug dealer. Let's put that out there. Like, if you're going to describe a 70s drug dealer or just someone that, like, has some cocaine in his car, it's this guy. (laughs) It's this guy. With the ombre sunglasses. Oh, boy. That was And he has, like, a mullet in the 80s. and But now, in the present day, he's wearing a button-down for his interview with detectives. And his hair is, like, flat on top, but with this wave in the front. It's very Lego man hair to me. I didn't notice it that much. I only noticed, like, the the other. Helmet-ish. Helmetish. Okay. Um, but anyways, the detectives have to fly there, and the partner Rob Wilson is so cranky because he hates flying, and he's like, "Like this freaking case is going to kill me all over the country." Also, I liked seeing how they decorated their cubicles because in yeah. between they would go back, and I was like, "What's on their desk? A football lamp, a sign that says I'd like to help you, but I can't fix stupid.'" Loved it. Yeah. So they're meeting with Eric in New Hampshire. He is. They said kind of a wise guy character. He has a very thick New England accent. He says Tom would hire him for odd jobs, collecting money because he was, Tom was dealing drugs to police officers and he would send Eric to be his money collector. Mm-hmm. And Tom started talking about, you know, Eric, would you be capable of killing someone for money? Could you do this? Would you ever do this? What if it was this? And then slowly that turns into, will you kill my wife? So they were one day shooting guns at the time. Tom had a silencer on his gun. Eric said, he said, would you kill my wife? Eric says, no. Tom says, you know way too much to say no. So it's either you or her. And Eric was really scared of him. Also, I'd be scared of anyone who's standing next to me with a gun with a silencer on it. Yeah. That's scary. So, but that's a really creepy way to do that to kind of have this long thing built up where you're telling someone that you want your wife dead and you're telling them that you want to kill her somehow. And then you've worked it so that, yeah, he does know too much, but you've done that. You've done it. It's exactly the grooming is the perfect term because that's exactly you make the person feel like, well, now you're in too deep. So you have to, because what if all the things you've shared already, I can use it all against you. And right, exactly. It's, it, and you did all that. So 
Eric would walk into a room and Tom would just immediately hold a gun to his head. And then he would be like, is the gun loaded? I don't know. And then he would shoot at a chair and the chair would like explode. And he'd be like, yeah, I guess it's loaded. And then one time he chloroformed Eric. And when Eric woke up, Tom was standing over him laughing. This is not a good friend. This is (laughs) terrible. Break up with your friend, Eric. Please. So they started to practice. They started to like talk about different scenarios and they'd role play these different scenarios of how they could kill Becky. An accidental shooting. Maybe the most elaborate one is the camping one. They had this, they would all go camping together, the three of them. And Tom and Becky would be in the tent. Eric would be sleeping in the car. Tom would get out to go to the bathroom, give the signal to Eric. Eric would put the car in reverse and say that he just pushed it, what his foot, while he was sleeping, and it would roll over the tent, crushing Becky. My God. Is the, that's got to be the worst plan and horrible. They were going to push her down a canyon into a raging river. They were going to start a fire to the house. Apparently, Tom knew police and lawyers because he was dealing drugs to everyone. And so Eric felt like he didn't have anyone to tell. So he calls Becky. And tells Becky, Tom is trying to get me to kill you. How scary and how brave. Good for him. Yes, absolutely. Good for him. And then he leaves town. And a year later, Becky was dead. Yeah. They arrest Tom. This is still back in the 80s. Tom is now short, sort of grayish brown hair. Sometimes in the light, it's gray. It was very confusing. This I don't understand. Okay. The aging of Tom... Between the divorce. So confusing. So the divorce of Catherine. And then, so we are between 83 and he's arrested in 89. Mm -hmm. The aging of Tom looks like 30 years. The 80s were rough on everyone, Katie. But I mean, this is a six-year timeline from 83 to 89. And all of a sudden he's gray and he looks like... He also put on a lot of weight, and I feel like that aged him in a certain way. So much. When the light was hitting his hair, it looked gray, but then in other lights, it was lighter brown. So was this this part of the transition to the blonde? I fully thought it was gray. I did too, but then in other shots in the same scene, it would all of a sudden be brown. I did not notice that. I sort of just registered gray. Because I. Other parts of the courtroom scenes, it was brown. Okay, I don't know. But it just looked, he looked much older, was all I was trying to say. Much yeah. older. Maybe murder just instantly ages you, like a reverse sorcerer's stone type situation. Maybe he did a lot of drugs. A horcrux thing, yeah. I think he just was doing his own stash. Of horcruxes? Oh, he's of drugs. <laughs> so Eric is the key witness against him in this trial. So what does Tom do? He hatches a plan to have Eric killed. I'm not, I don't know why I'm laughing. It's horrible, but it's insane. It's like this episode, it's this, each one could be its own dateline. He talks to a hitman that is actually an undercover cop, which, how crazy is this story that they just brush right over that whole thing? Like, how is that meeting set? They don't even have time for that story. They got to get through it. Yeah. So Eric is put in protective custody. The trial starts in 1989. Eric says, 
I saw Tom jumping on the bed and singing along to a Rod Stewart song about killing his wife, and they'll think it's a suicide. What song is that? Oh, you hadn't heard that song? I assumed you would have because you know music better than me. I mean, I know Rod Stewart, but I don't know the deep tracks. I don't know that one. I don't either. But literally, the lyrics, the lyrics are so specific. It's something about, did you write the lyrics down? No, it was like, I will, I'll shoot her. They'll think it's a suicide. I'm going to kill my wife. No subtlety. It's like, put a bullet in her head, something. It's bad. Yeah, it's really bad. Again, I think this is what added to me thinking that he wasn't very intelligent. Because it's almost like he took the lyrics from the song and is like, yeah, I'm going to do that. So you get someone who's kind of a sociopath who doesn't have a lot of empathy and then give them a Rod Stewart song. And this is what happens, apparently. How I would agree, except for all those other scenarios. So had he gotten all those other scenarios from other songs? Because I could totally see that. I could see him like picking a playlist and being like, whatever song comes on next on the radio, that's what we're going to do. I wish it had been Fly Like an Eagle from Steve Miller Band. <laughs> that would have been great because then- He would have jumped off a cliff. He would have um, tried to fly. Right. Yeah. He would have tried to fly out to sea. We could have saved ourselves a lot of heartache. A lot of heartache. We could have saved these families a lot of heartache because he had just is- A monster. Man, he's causing trouble. Yeah. yeah. So Tom takes the stand because of course he did because- narcissist. And he says that Becky was disturbed and on drugs, even though apparently he's the one who got her hooked on drugs. Boy, was I mad. Horrible. Horrible. Here we go. Get ready to get upset, folks. Tom is found innocent. I guess the jury did not believe Eric. Partially, that could have been his haircut, but it's not like Tom had a great haircut for them to pick sides on. Well, I think Tom out-talked him. They said that Tom gave this really long, rambly thing. So maybe that somehow seemed more believable because it seemed like you were being off the cuff. That could have been a tactic. Yeah, I could see that, and the jury fell for it. I'm angry with the jury. So I bet they feel bad now. I'd like to talk to one of them now. Yeah, they're probably all in witness protection. He's in a mustard yellow blazer and jeans, smiling, in this smarmy smirk on the news saying how wonderful he feels that he was acquitted. Oh, it's the creepiest thing. So how do you feel? Pause, pause, pause. Like looking at all the reporters is smiling. Wonderful. (laughs) And I couldn't tell if he was being facetious. It seemed almost like he was being facetious. It does because everything has a smirk. I've just been through a murder trial. So it's hard to tell. I totally agree with that. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not like a Mankiewicz smart. No. Yeah. So then Becky's mom, Martha, appears on the news saying he's guilty and he's going to kill somebody else's daughter. So beware. And then she just like drops the mic and walks off. And it was so good. Really liked that. That was a great moment. You're totally right. And yeah, she's so disappointed. I just I wouldn't she like can hardly contain it. Yeah. Tom pleads guilty Because remember, they still have him on this hitman charge for hiring a hitman who was an undercover cop to kill Eric. He only gets 18 months. So he knows people. So this is where we are. I don't know, because I get like even on Dateline, I've seen it. I feel like attempted murder gets you so much less time. And I don't know why, because that person would be dead 
But because of some strange thing of fate, like you hired an incompetent hitman or you accidentally got asked a undercover cop instead of a real hitman, you messed up in some way. And because you messed up, that person is still alive. But your intention was for them to be dead and they would still be dead unless you hadn't messed up. So it should carry the same amount of weight, don't you think? Yes, logically, yes. But I think he had an excellent attorney. <sighs> and I think that he pled guilty, which changes things. He That's took a true. Plea. That's true. They plead, you know, they pled him out. Mm-hmm. I'm getting very upset. I'm afraid it's about to get worse. And that makes me a perfect candidate for better help. Absolutely. Better help is a great place for you to take out all of your frustration, talk out all of your unresolved feelings about Tom Randolph and his terrible man bangs with a licensed therapist in the privacy of your own home. You can start communicating with a therapist in under 24 hours. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, but you can also send a message to your counselor at any time. Like maybe you've just met a guy who had six wives and he wants you to be number seven. And you want to say yes, because that yellow American cheese colored hair is so intoxicating to you. His grandpa bod is so appealing to you. You don't care what happened to the first six wives. He says five of them are dead from a freak hot air balloon accident. You don't care. You believe him. Message your counselor and they will say, no, no, walk away. Thank goodness for your counselor. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Counselors specialize in all kinds of issues like depression, anxiety, family and relationship issues, sleeping problems, the issues that so many of our listeners are having when watching The Widower and they are messaging us with the word him and the vomit emoji. BetterHelp can help all of you out there struggling. BetterHelp is easy. It's completely confidential. It's very affordable. What are you waiting for? We want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com forward slash dateline. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash dateline. Because BetterHelp can help you deal with the emotional trauma that is the widower. This is not confirmed by the company of BetterHelp. This is our <laughs> opinion only. I'm really glad we talked about BetterHelp because things are about to get even more scream-worthy if possible. So he only gets 18 months for doing hiring a hitman to kill Eric. He gets out of prison. He sues the city and the police department for prosecuting him for murder. And they pay him off. So he profits off of the whole thing. So this isn't possible now, right? I think now there are rules, there are laws set up. I don't know. We would have heard of this before. I've never heard of it. Well, I know in some states there's no restitution. You can't sue if you were falsely imprisoned. Right, which means that you also couldn't sue if you were wrongly prosecuted. Right. If you were prosecuted, but it was never proven that you didn't do it, but you were acquitted. He's just suing them for putting him on trial for murder, even though he got acquitted. So that's much less than being wrongfully imprisoned. So I, I'm saying this is shocking that what state are we in at this point? Where is he being prosecuted? Utah? Washington? Utah. I think we're in Washington. No, we're in Utah. Utah. So Utah, you can sue after you're 
that has to be changed now. There's no way that's still the case. It's an 89. Yeah. So that's disgusting. If anyone's going to do it, Tom's going to do it. And he's going to win. Then he leaves town. So then we're zipping through wives now. He marries his third wife, Leona, in 94. They're only married for 11 months and they divorced. She died a decade later of cancer. So when they say he killed four out of his six wives, it's not really accurate unless he had something to do with her cancer. He Let's give him Leona too because he deserves all of it. Yeah, it's probably stress related. Exactly. In 95, he meets fourth wife, Gaina. She's the second one that's still alive. So detectives go to Indiana, which is state number five. Yeah. Right away, I was so excited because she has a cat and Detective Kelly starts petting the cat. Did you love that? Yeah, and it's a tuxedo. I thought you'd love it. Yeah, I got excited. It's this little chubby tuxedo cat. Yeah, it's and he's cute. like like making like cat noises and stuff. That means he's a nice person. And we already know that both of the detectives are nice, so it just confirms it. Absolutely. So Tom and Gaina met in a personal ad in the paper. Now, she is hilarious. She is smoking very jadedly during the interview and saying she's a mate like such good sound bites and she's like yeah and i was stupid enough to marry him like she's just oh yeah she's She's great telling it like it is she is a no bs kind of person yes and does not suffer fools or toms no so he got a life insurance policy within a month of them getting married oh boy at one point he got into a bar fight that involved a shooting That's another thing that could have been its whole nother dateline. He was arrested. So at this point, she knows someone that works for the police. And Mm -hmm. they tell her, this guy that you married that just got in this bar fight, did he take out a life insurance policy on you? She says, yeah. And they say, you in danger, girl. He killed his wife in Utah. Good friend. Good friend. Shortly after this happens, so they haven't even been married long, He was cleaning a gun inside the house. She was nearby and it accidentally went off, shot a hole in the floor. He says, I didn't know it was loaded. Later. She's like three feet away? Yeah, she was like three feet away. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. Later, when he goes to work, she packs up all her stuff and leaves, goes into hiding. She is smart and brave and also lucky. Because not all women survive trying to leave. And absolutely very smart. She did it when he was at work and not while he was there because she might not be here. Yep. Detectives learn after that he had befriended another man and asked him, hey, would you kill someone for money? So you can't say that Tom isn't consistent. Sure. The detectives go to Kentucky to meet this other man. So now we're in state number six. Wow. By the way, we're getting beautiful aerial shots of all of these states. And some of these states are drivable. So I'm just assuming because uh, Wilson doesn't like to fly that they're driving to some of the drivable states. I wish we got more road trip footage then. Like what kind of snacks did they get on the road? We do get some food footage. It's coming. We did. Yes. So they go to Kentucky to meet Glenn Morrison. He's a little rough-hewn, shall we say, around the edges. Yeah. He wanted, Tom, wanted Glenn to kill his wife for insurance money. He just flat out told him, 
this is what you're going to do. Glenn said, no. I'm not doing that. (laughs) I'm not doing that. Apparently, this is where the plan evolves and became what it is today with Sharon and Mike Miller. Glenn was supposed to make it look like a robbery. Yep. And he was supposed to be the robber. And during the robbery, he was even supposed to shoot Tom in the leg to make it look good. Now, notice Tom skipped that part of the plan in the current day's situation with Sharon. He's like, I'm too old for that. I'm not getting shot in the leg this time. But Glenn is smart enough to not do this. He says... If I shoot him, so he has all the, Tom has all these guns in a safe and he was supposed to like hold up Tom and have Tom open the safe for him. And he's thinking, if I do this, he's just going to grab one of those guns from the safe and shoot me. He'll have no witnesses left and he'll have tied up all the loose ends. And I will have done this shooting for him. So Glenn figures it all out and saves his own life. You go, Glenn Coco. I underestimated him. He is a smart cookie. He was great. And even the detectives leave his house and they're like, he saved his own life by not going along with that plan. Well, and not trusting him, not trusting Tom. That's everybody's problem. Or that's my, was Mike's problem. Is yep. He trusted him. Yep. Ugh. Now on to the fifth wife. I feel like I should be practicing my Spanish and be like, cinco, cinco, cinco. Eh, eh, eh. You know, like the Count? That was the Count on Sesame Street. Oh, did he do Spanish sometimes? Yeah, I think so. Frances, wife number five, married in 97. She is also deceased. Also, none of these wives specifically look alike. Yeah, that's a great point. Great point. It's It's not like he has a type and he's then killing them because they all look like his mother or whatever. His type is, can I sign them up for life insurance? That's it. Seriously. How much are they worth if they die? Yeah. So her sister, Frances, lives in Indiana, which is state number. Oh, they've already been to Indiana. Rip off. Repeat state. I was very upset. We have two repeat states. Okay. I know. I wanted more. Frances's sister, Hilda, says that Frances had a serious heart condition and she would eventually need surgery for it. But she didn't need surgery now. But Tom convinces her now that she needs surgery. She has the heart surgery. She's made it through. She was recovering. But then something went wrong. And then we meet Frances' daughter, Rachel, who was young at the time. She liked Tom. She thought of him as a father. He put her in after school activities, was a role model to her was being a good stepdad. One day they're at the hospital. Francis is recovering. Tom asks Rachel to leave the room. 45 minutes later, he comes out of the room and says, your mom passed away. And he was crying to Rachel and saying, I can't lose another wife. Oh, no. And the hospital asked, do you want us to do an autopsy? He says, no. And has her cremated. I don't want her cut up in a bunch of pieces. Now, during this phase, Tom is wearing his hair with white bangs and a side braid. A very thin side braid. Unhappy. It was a diabolical braid. (laughs) Diabratical. Diabratical. Tom tells Francis's sister she died on the operating table. 
total lie. She was in recovery. It and there's was, pictures of her. There's pictures of her recovering from past. Yes. It was ruled a medical death because she died post-surgery at the hospital. I can't believe they did investigate more because this is in the 90s. I would think they would do more sort of investigation after something like this. He doesn't have a dead wife in Indiana yet, right? No, no. So. Uh, yeah, they're not, ta- the, they're not talking to each other, all the departments. And w- and why would they, even if he did? Like, if they're I not just investigating, feel like they're not investigating. A husband is alone in a room with his wife and she dies after, when she was recovering well from her procedure. You wouldn't like at least look into it? I feel like there's three or four things you could check without having to do an autopsy without, I feel like there, but I don't know. I'm not, we're not doctors. But I just feel like. Some hospital rooms have cameras in them so that the nurses can check on the patients. So then you could just pop the tape in, see what happened. Wouldn't you also be able to tell if somebody like say was suffocated? Right. Because there's petechia in the eyes. There are things that happen if someone is suffocated. Or like a breathing tube is cut off. There's certain things that, first of all, a doctor, I feel like, would know by looking at her body. Yeah. We have questions. Yeah. The sisters also have questions. Francis's sisters. They are Southern and sassy. Good. I was a fan. Yeah. The one sister, Carolyn, thinks that Francis was being poisoned. She thought she looked bad before the surgery even. But... She was cremated, so they can't tell. He, get ready to be angry again. He not only got Francis's life insurance policy, but it's like, I can't, it's so laugh. It's so laughable, but it's so diabolical. He sued the hospital for wrongful death and won and possibly got over a million dollars for that. I need to know the details of these lawsuits. I'm not joking. I don't understand how this is happening. I know. There's another podcast. I can't remember which one that goes into more detail on some of this stuff. What do you mean you can't remember? What's it? I can't remember what it's called. What? It's another, it's like a- They covered it. Yeah, like True Crime Garage or something, but they covered it. Yeah. Okay, here's, I have a, here's my thought. Does he have a lawyer working with him? He obviously does. So whoever the lawyer is- is very, very good and is getting in there because that's what he's saying, that he could have been a paralegal or whatever. He's got some super smart lawyer on his team that knows that when you go to sue, if you sue in the right way, they'll settle every time. And it's not going to be this long, drawn-out thing. Also, he's got money to burn. Mm -hmm. He has enough money from each wife to fund the next lawsuit and to fund the next life insurance policy. But I think that they should be looking into his lawyer, too. I think his lawyer is unscrupulous, has no morals. Yeah. Let's find that lawyer. Questionably unethical. Yeah. We're just brandishing them as that. Sorry, lawyer. They're going to sue us now. This specific, I don't know if that's the case. Maybe he's lawyer hopping. If this is the same lawyer that did this lawsuit with with the hospital and the one with the police department. Because I feel like you have to ask if your client keeps coming to you with dead wives and then is suing these people after his wives keep dying under mysterious circumstances, Mm -hmm. you have to ask that question. Are you killing your wives, Tom? (laughs) Right. Thomas. Thomas. Tom, you can tell me, buddy. Come on. So then 
we see this video. There's a home movie that Carol and the sister has of Francis where Tom is behind the camera and filming Francis giving her last will and testament. It's like a VHS tape. Francis is on screen wearing a shirt with a giant tiger on it. Tom is off screen coaching her what to say. Francis is saying she wants Tom to raise Rachel. And she's saying, Tommy, I love you so much. I hope you never have to use this tape. And he says, what do you want done with yourself? And she says, I want to be cremated. And I want to be put in a place near you, Tommy, because I don't want you to be separated from me. And she says, Tommy, I know you'll do what's best with my remains. Okay. Basically, that's the last thing she says. It's like, just he'll, he'll handle it. So now our detectives are up to speed with the wives. And they're even more determined because they don't want him to marry again before they can get to him. It's four months after Sharon's murder. They've been on a long road trip. They've done a lot of work in four months, I have to say. Yeah. We've seen other detectives take four months to do like half of the work on one single case. They're working like six cases in one. So they go and show the prosecutors their new evidence. And the prosecutors are all in. They want to take it to a grand jury. It's time. It's time. Colleen is now nine months pregnant and she's freaking out. She's like, this needs to happen. They need to arrest him. But before that, he's allowed to go and get some of his stuff from Sharon's house. But the police are there keeping guard. And Colleen doesn't even go. She sends her husband. She doesn't even want to see him. Yeah. At the house, they serve him with a mark of notice. And it tells him that he'll be indicted for two counts of murder and conspiracy to commit murder. And he What does that mean? If the grand jury goes through? It's like it's a yes, but they have to wait a few days before they get the arrest warrant. It's very strange. It's like a notice to appear. So it's basically a if you leave if you leave town. Correct. I think it's like that. Yeah. Okay. It's like a notice to appear and this is what's going to yeah. happen. But it seemed very underwhelming for what has been going on with Tom. But then we get the actual arrest and you're like, oh, that was perfectly whelming. That was the brighter <laughs> round of whelm, you know? Yes. So, yeah. so but this moment, he's like, okay. And he's allowed to, he just has to sign something. And then he's allowed to leave with his U-Haul filled with mannequin heads and scuba gear. I don't know. Weird stuff. He needed his pharmaceuticals. There you go. One month later, Colleen has her new baby girl. She's very sad that her mom couldn't meet her because her mom really wanted to be a grandma to a daughter, a granddaughter. So sad. There was a few precious moments in this. That's one of them. It's heartbreaking. She, I love her and I love her sweet little voice. I seriously cannot stress enough how much her voice. I gotta go back and listen because I never noticed her voice. It almost sounds like the woman in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Oh, do you remember? And she talks like this, Janet. I love her. Glenn Hadley. Maybe. It's just a voice I've always wanted. It's so sweet. And it's just, oh, Colleen is a gem. All right. The grand jury comes back with a yes. They finally get the arrest warrant. They get to arrest him. He's now living in Utah. With his mom. With his mom. (laughs) That seems apropos. I like that. Thank God he's not with a new wife, though. Seriously. I was worried. Yeah. I was very worried. So the detectives, our beloved Vegas detectives, drive all night 
to they're so excited utah and there's snow and ice on the ground and they're like what is this what's happening so this is now 2009 january 7th they first go to eat breakfast at ihop where they're discussing the plan what's going to happen now when they pull up there did you think that they were arresting him at an ihop because i did i was like oh he's inside the ihop I wish. Syrup just flying everywhere. Yeah, I thought the takedown was going to happen at the IHOP. And I was like, should that be on the extreme bingo cards? Yes. Takedown at a pancake house. (laughs) I wanted that. So they get some local backup detectives from the local force. They all put bulletproof vests on because they know that he's a gun and ammo collector. Wow. Along with scuba gear. Our detectives wait by the door while the local guys knock on the door. Tom opens the door with no shirt on, of course, and his right hand is behind the door and he won't show it. And they keep saying, like, show us your other hand, show us your other hand. Put your hands behind your head. Put your hands behind your head. Show us your hands. I mean, they say it 10 times. 10 times. He doesn't. So they tase him. Oh, my God. And he drops to the ground and it's all snowy and on the ground and he has no shirt on and boxers. No pants either. So now we see that there's no pants. Yeah. He is whining like just, I don't even, he almost is squealing like a pig with pigtails. There you go. It is, he's saying, they're saying, stand up, stand up. And he's like, I can't stand up, you son of a bee. And so they just start kind of dragging him, kind of like. Just come on, use your legs, buddy. Fully dragging him, not kind of dragging him. They are full on, full dragging him down the walk. Yeah. And he's crying and whining and they're saying, you should have showed us your hand. And he says, I couldn't, you stupid. Man, Tom. (laughs) He says, you stupid. Yeah. Like he is five. And then he says, I'm disabled. I can't let go of the door, stupid. So they decide. So again, unintelligent, right? That's not good insults. I don't get it. Yeah. And so because they know his history of suing, which is very smart, they say, okay, we're putting him in the car. We're going to take him to the hospital to get medically checked out. So he can't say that we hurt him during the arrest. Oh, it's too late for that. He's still going to (laughs) sit. 100%. And it's on tape. Yeah. You think he's not going to sue? Well, they'll have the medical report saying that he's fine. So he'll say stress, stress. And he's going to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Emotional embarrassment. So the best part of the whole affair, which is the whole embarrassing affair, because it happens in daylight on the street, this residential street, and he's screaming, is his 80-year-old mother comes out in pajamas and curlers in her hair. Like, what did you do to him? What did you do to Tommy? That did make you feel bad. I felt really bad. I didn't even feel bad. I felt like it serves him right to be this embarrassed and have his mom come out. No, I felt bad for the mom. I don't care for about him. It's kind of like how you feel bad for Jeffrey Dahmer's parents. Like I saw them on an interview once and it almost broke my heart because I'm like, I can see that. Yeah. You just, you didn't know that you had this monster and he's not showing you. But also at some point when your son keeps saying his wives are dying, you're not worried about this. 
Right. You shouldn't let him come and live with you again. At all. And you should be daily calling every life insurance carrier in the area to make sure he hasn't taken a secret policy out against you. That is 100% my next sentence. He is very high possibility that he's there for her end of days. I totally agree. I 100%. And I didn't even honestly think about it until this moment. That's exactly oh, that's creepy. They need to go and be toxicology testing all of her teas that she drinks, yes. things like that yes. in that house. Uh-huh. Yeah. So now Tom is in the back seat and he's smirking and for some reason, still smirking. Is it a facial tick? Sneering. Yeah, maybe it is a facial tick. I shouldn't make fun of him. No, he's you, com- you no I still will. He's terrible. Yeah. Complaining. He's complaining that they tased him still. And the detective who's driving so calmly is like, "Uh, Tom, you do understand I was there to arrest you for murder, right? Like, I was obviously worried that you were a violent criminal. And Tom says, yeah, you seem to speak English pretty good right now. What a D-wad. I don't know what that means. I think he's saying you understood me perfectly now. You didn't understand when I was saying I can't hold up my hand because I'm disabled. And yeah. That car raid make you nervous at all? It made me really nervous. Yeah, it did. Because it's on camera because the producer's there, but he's so... He's slippery. He's slippery. That's That's a perfect way to describe him. It's why it made me so nervous whenever he went to the house and Colleen was there. I'm like, I don't trust him even with cameras and police there. I don't trust him. I was much more nervous by the way. I mean, I was nervous about him, but I was nervous the way that the officer was talking to him. The officer is very clearly trying to cover his bases for a potential lawsuit. And I did. That made my stomach hurt because I was like, oh, Tom has sued multiple police like stations. And he's I mean, he's he likes to sue. He's not going to win this time. I don't think he's going to win this time. I have a really bad feeling. I really hope he doesn't, but I, I just, I think things are coming that are going to make us angry. I'm, I'm stealing myself and I'm hoping this isn't one of them. I do too. I have, I do too. It's episode three. Oh God. We're going to be looking back at ourselves like episode two. We were so young, so innocent. And, and half of our listeners are screaming at us right now. Right. Over half. They've already watched uh, 100% are like, oh my gosh, you guys are the worst. Yeah, you don't know yet. But then also I have a feeling whatever he gets away with is so much worse than this. Yeah. Than just suing them. I don't know. Okay. But okay. no, I. but I'm not sure. Well, we, we just- I'm not sure either. I saw a glimpse of something and I'm trying to not look. Yeah. So he's arguing with the detective and then he's like, it's okay, you're jerking me off. That's okay. That's how they all do it. Who- <laughs> quote, jerks him off, unquote. That's the quote of the episode. And just leave it hanging with no tech, no contextualness around it. I'm not going to expand what he's talking about. Okay. Nope. Sure. But seriously, does he think everyone in law enforcement, everyone in positions of authority have been jerking him around slash off? I'm sorry. He's a permanent victim. He is. So don't forget that. That's also what makes him so charming mm. is that all of these awful things are happening to him. I'm a He's bad boy. I'm not a bad boy. Them. I'm just misunderstood. I think it's even worse. They're than just that. out to get me. Yeah, they're out to get me. Yeah, because they're threatened by me. Yeah, because I'm so smart. Yeah. And handsome. Yeah. And have hair like Samson. <laughs> they're trying to take down Samson. 
So uh, next week, we get Tom in interrogation saying, and I quote, this is the Tommy show live from Las Vegas. Oh, my gosh. Hamming it up to the camera. We're going to get a trial where he has pigtails. I said at Mm -hmm. that time. And then he cuts his hair. And then at one point he shows up in trial in a football jersey. And then his mom takes the stand in an oxygen tank. That next week is going to be wild. Oh, so they're putting the mom on there for a character witness for pity. That's horrible. He should be ashamed of himself. He should be ashamed of himself for so many so reasons. Many. He, I don't but, think he yeah. suffers shame at all. I think that instead of no fear tank tops, he needs no shame. No shame. No mm-hmm. shame tank No tops. shame. No yeah. regrets. I am a little bit surprised he doesn't have any visible tattoos. Yeah, that's a great point. I could see him with having something dumb. Yeah, misspelled. That he thought he was a tough guy when he wanted to be a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. Let us know. Do you think he has tattoos? That's the question of the episode. Guess what tattoos he might get or have and in what location on his body they would be in. What is the name of the town he grew up in? Clearwater? No. Why, you think he would get that on his his arm or something? I was thinking maybe across his stomach. I think after this episode series, he's going to get the widower across his chest as like a badge of honor. And he's going to try to trademark the widower phrase and TM and he'll be like suing people if they use it. So this is why this series is dangerous. Because it's giving him a voice and notoriety. Do they get Twitter and Instagram in prison? No. But they probably have people calling and telling them and they get news. So if there's like a news segment, they can watch it. They're probably watching in prison. If he's in prison, we don't know. He's going to love the notoriety in prison. I mean, he's going to set up social media accounts for himself. And the problem is, is that there's a lot of people out there in the world that like want to be renegade and want to be different. So they'll either follow him for ironic purposes or follow him you know, on these platforms for like... The guy we did in our Patreon episode, the millionaire, Mm -hmm. the fugitive millionaire. How many followers? Remember he had... He had a lot of followers and he, if he wasn't tweeting in prison, he might've been tweeting in prison, but he was in a Spanish prison. He was also like sending his wife stuff to post and blog posts and stuff like that. I can see Tom doing something like that. Yeah. Starting a YouTube channel in prison. So that's what makes me nervous is that he's going to have a lot of, of like kind of a built-in following because of all the attention from this. Uh, Double-edged sword. He's going to walk around the pod and people will be like, widower, what's up, widower? And he'll smile. He'll be like, yeah, that's me. Right. It makes him famous for the wrong reason, but there is no wrong reason for him. No, he, that This makes him Tony, what's his name? Does he have a Tony Montana tattoo? And even more hard, I hope it's a, messed up Scarface portrait. Yes. Where it looks like he's melting by accident or something. On his buttocks. Where it's like a cartoon version. Yeah. And then as your buttock size changes, the tattoo (laughs) changes. So now it looks like, looks like Belky from Perfect Strangers now. Aww. Aww. Bronson Pinchot. I know he's great. I just want it to look like a different person. Right. Still a brunette, but some And then like he's in the prison shower and people are like, is that Belky? She's like, no, it's Scarface. God, every time. And then his nickname, instead of the widower, becomes Cousin Larry, becomes his <laughs> nickname. 
Cousinlary. Which is like the least tough name possible. The least tough name is Cousinlary. <laughs> yeah. It would be so bitter. It would make me really happy. That'd be great. That it's honestly like that's why I don't believe in the death penalty. I want stuff like that to happen to people who are who are criminals and bad and like murderers. I want you to be like just be constantly be like God all the time. So embarrassed. I think the scary thing is though too. Then you have the other side of that, which is then we've seen people with no life sentence with life sentences without parole get commuted and possibly get out. Yeah, that's true. Like what's his name from a couple episodes ago? Yeah, that's true. He committed a murder. Yeah, that's true. And killed that poor college kid. Yeah. Okay. So do we have any B-roll? You went through sort of the things that I was going to talk about very quickly. It's hard to have extras on this because we are, I'm really glad that you talked about how this is being shot because that was my huge question for this is how in the world are they shooting this? Right. Like who is shooting? But it's Dan, the producer. He's great. We almost met him at CrimeCon. We were supposed to meet him. He was the one who has that other podcast that was at the table right next to us on Podcast Row. It was one of Dateline's first podcasts, 13 Alibis. It's called. It's really good. And so he has been following the story forever and he's doing like the handheld footage. It's really fascinating. I'm wondering why he chose not to have a host with this. Yeah, it's very interesting. Why did they choose to do it like this? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe this was supposed to be a special report and not specifically Dateline. Maybe it was just open to something else. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It could be its own series. You know, like a three-part special on like ID or something. It could be more than three parts though. 100%. But maybe this is the footage they had. I'm very curious about part three, which is coming in two days, you guys. We're we're not going to stretch it out another week. It'll be here on Friday. Yes, you're right. This episode is dedicated to all of our healthcare workers out there putting themselves, their families on the line to make sure that we are well taken care of. To the ungrateful masses who don't appreciate that. Seriously. This is dedicated to you. He better not get a vaccine. He better not. Before I get a vaccine. He better not before anyone gets one. Anyone. He's a lot older than me. Ay, ay, ay. But prisoners should have rights. Not saying that. This specific one shouldn't have any rights. No vaccine for you. But we, we really appreciate everything that you're doing day in and day out. And you know, it's emotionally taxing, physically taxing. I can't, I don't know. I can't say thank you enough. There's nothing we can, dedicating a podcast episode doesn't seem like enough, but. No, it doesn't. So I did think of one title real quick. What about Samson and Denial? Yeah, yeah. I also had a really important point that I wanted to bring up in regards to the second wife. If Becky was ruled as a suicide death, a lot of insurance policies do not cover that. So did he specifically get a policy that covered suicide? So apparently I was wrong when I have been saying that. I'm sorry, Oliver is the one that told me. Oh, and I've been, but I've been saying it too for the past three years since we've had the podcast. And finally someone told me that I was wrong. That's not true? Okay. What they have, uh, and this is, again, we don't know what was the case in the 70s. I would think mo- anything goes in the 70s, 80s. This would have been in 83. Yeah, I yeah. think anything went in the 80s. But nowadays, someone told me that they have a two-year type stipend. So as long as you don't commit suicide within the first two years of getting the policy, then your family still gets the money. And that's to prevent people from 
signing up and then committing suicide. So you have to wait two years. I see. But I would guess, again, in the 80s, probably anything went and that it was probably you would still get it no matter what. I would think. I don't know. Okay, that makes sense. I'm just, that's fascinating. Maybe we're married for a couple of years. They were. So he had the policy then for a couple of years. No, they were married in 83. And I'm not sure when she died. Maybe 80, they were married maybe 88. So they were married for enough time. They weren't time. married that long, but enough time for, yeah. Also, I did want to say how evil that is that part of his control was getting her addicted to drugs. And they said that. And I that I believe that wholeheartedly. I'm sure he did that because it would make her not leave him. It would make her dependent on him. Mm-hmm. And that's so messed up. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of it's messed up, right? But really, it's... It's just another way to emotionally manipulate someone. It's a special kind of evil. Yeah, it is. It's diabolical. It's, it's diabolical. Also, why did he need hollow tip bullets? Aren't those the cop killer bullets that they talk about? The hollow tip? Aren't they especially damaging? Are they the ones that like explode in the body? I think they're the ones that like really kill you. We sound dumb. I don't know if we know what we're talking about. I mean, they all bullets, all bullets can kill you. But I feel like, yeah. I, Oliver, what's a hollow tip bullet? He says they're the ones that spread out. Oh, Okay. I think you were right. It's the kind that break apart in the body and do the most damage. I think they are. Yeah. I think they're like a death blow, basically. That's so creepy. All right. That's the only two things I wanted to to bring up, I think. What hair is your most favorite and least favorite in this episode of his? My least favorite is in court with the short hair. Because it's disappointing. I expect more from him. Okay. With the mustache and the shorter hair. Yeah, it's like a shorter bowl It's court appropriate, which apparently is coming in episode three again. He cuts his hair when he has to do court. My favorite is the full perm. The full, like, Bon Jovi perm. Mm -hmm. He Like he's in a hair metal band. Mm Mm-hmm. And the bangs are kind of feathered. Kind of. I didn't really notice the bangs as much as the crazy. It was the tight, fresh perm. It was. It was a tight perm. That's like in a graduated cut, so it tapers down to the bottom. The Jesse Spano, yeah. Yeah, what was your favorite and least? My least favorite is when he looks like a beetle, so it's that long shag, and he all, it kind of looks like Ringo Starr in some of the pictures. But then my least, least favorite is the same year when he has the same hairstyle, but it's like permed. So it's that long shag that's either greasy and straight or permed and curly. I didn't like either one. And I so I guess my favorite would be honestly the it would be from episode 1 when he married You can't do that. Has to be Sharon. this episode. Darn it. Can I say my least favorite mustache is the kind with no, the no, little gap? No, no, you got to do the, the favorite. You, I'm sorry. By favorite I mean the one I think is the worst. If that's what you're saying, then my it's favorite. the it's the photo that I'm picturing where he has a single strand of that crimpy locks all over one shoulder. The rest is behind his shoulders. And then the bangs are kind of feathered. Gotcha. Because it's the way it's like one piece that just delicately is falling over his shoulder. That's not great. And I don't, I don't, I don't like he it. He thinks it makes him look sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, favorite, non-favorite. We're going to play this game next episode too. Oh, I like this game. It's a good one. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Thank you, guys. Get ready for part trace coming on Friday. 
part trois, because this was part du. Okay. Right? Or part tres. But I feel like we normally do un and du. I was kind of going more Spanish. Uno, dos, tres. How many wives? Cinco. Siete. Cinco, cinco wives. Ah, 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 ah. You do that so well. What you're doing? Not really. I've heard, I've heard, I've definitely heard better. Two, two telephone poles. I've seen follow that bird 5,000 times. If I don't do it well, that there's something wrong. I don't know what follow that bird is. It's a movie with Big Bird and he like leaves Sesame Street and goes to an adopted family of dodo birds and then runs away from home and then gets captured by a circus. It's a whole event. You got to look it up. It's not, I think it's on Amazon Prime. That is an emotional journey. It is. And then there's. That's like Fievel Goes West. It is an emo, and then they have emotional songs. It's it's Henson, and so they always have the best songs in like the Muppet movie and all that stuff. And so they sing "One Little Star All Alone in the Night," and it's the people in Sesame Street singing to a star, wondering where Big Bird is, and Big Bird trapped, looking at as at the star and saying, "My one little star, shine on us both." I'm sorry, tonight. but that's exactly Fievel. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please follow us on social media. And if you like, you can join our Patreon. At the $10 level, we do extra episodes every month. Extra, extra, extra. Extra, extra. Read all about it. <laughs> Why did love put a... I think you were doing The Office when Holly Flax, like, banters with Michael. Oh, yeah, she does, because she says, extra, extra. Yeah. yeah. Why did she say extra? That's how they would talk in, like, newsies and stuff. But didn't they say extra? No. I don't know. She's doing like that old timey accent. It was funny, though. I remember that specifically. (laughs) Holly Flax. Um, Anyways. Holly Flax. I love Holly Flax. Anyways. And then we also have special little things like a Drag Race Brunch, which is back in action this coming weekend (gasps) for our $10 level. For the Snatch Game episode, it's going to be fun. Get my wig snatched. Is that right? Does that mean something? Yeah, you're going to get your wig snatched. That's bad, though. You don't want someone to snatch your wig. Oh, sorry. That means they don't, you know. But it's funny if it happens on stage. Because you're, like, fighting and then someone snatches your wig? I thought it was, like, when you were so shocked by something that you, you snatched your wig. I think that could be a wig snatching. Yeah, that definitely. That could be that, too. Look at you being up on lingo. Because I, I feel like I've seen people say that when, like, something dramatic ha- Like, when people find out that Matthew Perry and, you know, is a Keith Morrison's stepson, they're like, their wig gets snatched. And it'll sometimes say, your edges are snatched. Oh, I don't even know what that means. That's another one that they'll say. It's, it has to do with the wig, too. So, and then also at our $5 level, you get an extra episode every month. And access to how many previous episodes? So many. So many. I don't even know at this point. Seriously, any support is great. So thank you. Yeah, you can even join at the $2 level. Absolutely. And we love you just as much. Absolutely. We love you more than Tom Randolph loved any one of his wives. Well, he doesn't love anyone. No. I'm not convinced he loves his mom. No. She's a pawn. I still think she's in danger. Yeah, she was in, she is, and still is kind of in danger, I feel like. Also, what happened to his dad? Can we look into that? I need to know if he was raised by a single mom. No, because she said the one wife said his parents were so great. Oh, his parents were lovely. I'm hoping we do get, I 
predicted that we would get some backstory on his childhood, possibly at the beginning of episode three. I feel like I'm wrong on that. I feel like we're not going to get it, but I still kind of hope we do because I still I want to psychoanalyze him a little bit, even if it's just quietly to myself. Yeah, absolutely. I want to What know. makes someone this way? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Also on Patreon, we have 90 Day Fiance recap that is happening right now. So Woo-hoo! get in on that. It's fun. It's crazy. It's crazy. Thanks, everybody. Why did love put a gun in my hand? Oh, it's a medley. It's a medley, y'all. Beneath the pale blue Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Anyways, he has a feminine face. I don't see it at all. You don't? You agreed he looked kind of like Pam Hupp and Lois. Because Pam Hupp has a masculine face. <laughs> okay. I don't see it at all. I wouldn't buy it for a second. You're, you really don't? That's crazy. I don't know why. Well, he'd be happy to hear that. Do you want to be wife number seven? No, I'm good. Do you? No. You're single, ready to mingle, ready to Christian mingle. Get out there. He's ready for you. <laughs> Will he be in jail at the time? Because I'm fine with some sort of long distance love. That's why I'm bringing it up. Yeah. You have commented before that you would not be upset. With- I was literally just thinking that again the other day, not so much an inmate, but a long distance relationship would be perfect for me. Something like where they come to visit every few months. Here's why I'm shocked is that you are not taking advantage of the time that we are in, which a lot of people I know who are newly single are taking advantage of this time to not feel the pressure of a meeting up in-person date because it's all like distanced by online. Right. So this is like kind of the perfect time to dip your toes in because there is zero pressure of meeting in person. Yeah, I don't, I think a Zoom would make me just this nervous and sweaty. So. So what kind of a long distance relationship are you going to have? It's just letters. Yeah, just, yeah. What you're looking for is a pen pal. Correspondence by carrier pigeon is what I'm looking for. Something for everyone. Keep going. With these like feathered man bangs, and several long tendrils of hair down to his man boob area, curly, almost permed like Jesse from Saved by the Bell, but yellow blonde. Ooh, Adam, can you take out me saying I don't think he looks like a woman? <laughs> when you're describing it like that, it makes me look really dumb. So I'd rather just not say anything on the topic. So if you could just take out anything that I say, that would be great.